Made It. Made It. Made It. Is a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Previously on Made It. It's a lot easier when you're a heroin addict for people to just say, well, it was the drugs. It wasn't. The drugs is what helped me get better because it's when people started saying, Sarah needs help. You want the truth? Fuck, here we go again. So I knew something was wrong. If she dies. Recovery's first. Choose Your Struggle presents Made It, Season 1, Stay Savage. Hey y'all, it's me, your host. I want to break in real quick and give a shout out to all my friends over at the New Books Network. It was founded by Marshall Poe to highlight under the radar new books. And you can listen to interviews with authors on the topics of history, science, religion, music, and so much more. All the hosts are interesting people in their own right as well, and I should know, I'm a host on the Drugs Addiction and Recovery channel, and I think it's pretty damn interesting. You can learn more at their website, newbooksnetwork.com, or by searching for New Books Network wherever you get your podcasts. Check them out today. I needed rehab, not for any reason, but I needed to not have to try and muscle through being a leader and being in charge and being there for other people, I needed to be able to just be. And um, going to rehab did that. It separated me. And it was also just being honest. You know, I needed to honestly say, like, I, I need help. I definitely didn't want to do it because I was so angry and like it was so humbling, but I did it. It kind of sucks that the best help that was available to Sarah at that time was rehab. As you heard her say, the drugs weren't really the problem. Sure, her use had slipped back into misuse and was becoming problematic, but that was a response. That was a treatment for the way she was feeling in life at that time. If we had better mental health care, if it was not so hard to find help, when your issue is a struggle with mental health, maybe that would have been Sarah's avenue, but that wasn't available to her here. For someone who's underinsured, it's especially hard to find mental health help, and it's hard for anybody, no matter your situation. At the time, though, Sarah wasn't the only one struggling with this issue of finding the help they needed. Remember, when we last left off with Charlie, he was sent to Arizona. Let's catch up with Charlie. Welcome to Episode 9 of Choose Your Struggle Presents Made It. Season one, stay a savage. I lasted like maybe a month in this sober living. My Vivitrol shot wore off, and like within 30 minutes of deciding I wanted to get high, I had heroin in my hand. I just kind of did. Started doing like the the treatment sober living shuffle there. Like his sister, Charlie was struggling with his mental health, but that's where their similarities ended. When I first got out to Arizona, I didn't really want to be sober. It just seemed like what everyone else wanted me to be doing, and I should probably try it because I was pretty miserable. I just wasn't really, like, willing to do all of the things that were suggested of me to do, like not steal my roommate's gabapentin and, like, not learn how to smoke black tar heroin off a tinfoil. But, like, like, I knew it wasn't sustainable. I just, it was my only coping mechanism. I wasn't. I was in an entirely new environment, stressed the fuck out, feeling like I had like very little support, pretty much by choice, because I could have been calling home. And I went to the only coping mechanism that I knew. 
uh, and I kept going to it. I would, I would slowly get like more and more time away from drugs, like 30 days and then 60 days and then 60 days again. I, I just got eight months one time and like life started getting decent. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I found out I was having a baby and I got real stressed out and started getting high again and just a whole cycle. And when you're stuck in that cycle, very little will honestly pull you out. But everything else will just send you deeper. My daughter came into the world and like I had thought before she came like that'll be fine. I'll have someone else to like live for and I won't want to get high. And like, unfortunately, that's not the case at all. Uh, I missed her birth because I was dope sick and I left the hospital. Didn't even cop dope. Like I tried to and it failed, which is just terrible. I became homeless uh, out in Tempe, Arizona, and it was New Year's Eve. I want to say it was New Year's Eve 2018 going into 2019. I was my my friend let me sleep in his car for the night, which was like in the parking lot for like an AA clubhouse. And I see all I've been in and out of AA in Arizona for a couple of years at this point. So like I'm seeing all these people I know, like lighting off fireworks in the parking lot and like having fun. And I'm sitting in this car with the seat down real low, like trying not to be seen. Um, just smoking meth and like doing cotton shots, which is just like residue shots of heroin, just trying to get well. And I'm fucking miserable. I see all these people that like I know and like I like some of them. Um, and they're having, they seem like they're having a way better time than me. And this rehab I had been calling trying to get into just to get off the street called me and they're like, show up by 10 a.m. tomorrow. And like I go in and this this dude that I had known from AA, uh, I had actually lived with him in sober living at one point, started coming to the rehab just to like see me and check on me and like being a genuine friend um, and like giving me something to look forward to and like bring me cigarettes. And like we would just sit there and talk for like an hour at a time and like feeling that support was was super dope. Actually, this is kind of where I reconnected with Sarah, too, because I'm like I didn't sleep the first 10 days I was there because I was coming off SSRIs. I was coming off meth and I was coming off heroin. Um, so I'm out of my fucking mind. And like I called Sarah and I guess she was she was doing the savage thing. I was I'm, I'm telling you, I was fucking crazy. I was like having auditory hallucinations and I thought the ceiling was caving in. Uh, but that's like when we like started talking again and I was like could hear how well she was doing. Even as committed as he was, Charlie's time in sobriety would be short lived. I got out. I got like an AA sponsor. This guy that kept coming to see me, like I started like doing the AA 12 steps with him. And like I got high one last time, dude. I, I was in a sober living. I went, I saw Dan, um, the, the man, my friend that, that was sponsoring me. And I went to leave his house from doing step work. And there was a bus going, um, there was a bus going one way and a bus going the other way. The one way was back to Gilbert where my sober living was. Um, and the other way was to South Phoenix, where I knew where to get heroin. That's where I've been running around. And like split second decision, I like went and I, dude, I only bought like a dime uh, and like a clean syringe. And I went back to my sober living house and I, uh, for some reason, got naked and locked myself in the bathroom and shot up on the toilet and OD'd. And my, luckily, my roommate busted down the door and shoved an ice cube up my ass and put me in a cold shower, which brought me back for some reason. Uh, he didn't know there was Narcan in the next room over, um, but I survived. 
I went to a psych ward for a couple days just so that like I didn't pick up again and that like give myself a little safety net. The sober living took me back and I like I I didn't want to get high anymore. Uh, I saw that like I saw clearly that like I was bad at it and I was gonna die because I only I only shot half that bag. So I shot five dollars worth of heroin and died. This ain't for me. I'm not I'm not going in the heroin hall of fame. I'm getting cut from the team. After Charlie's latest near-death experience, he was especially motivated to try to find recovery. We're going to pick back up with Sarah's story here, because she too was back in rehab and thinking differently about herself and her place in the world. Here's Sarah. I didn't do detox. So normally if you do like 21 days of rehab, you do like 5 to 7 days of detox. But I didn't detox, I just went right into rehab status, and I'm pretty sure I like manipulated my counselor to let me out like a couple days early. So I was like, I hate it here. I didn't talk in that rehab at all. I didn't, I wasn't befriending people. And a couple of people knew me from AA and they knew me from Savage and I was embarrassed by that. And the first day that I walked through the door, one of the techs thought I was there to speak. And I was like, oh. So at that point, like I wasn't there to do anything except listen. And I did, I was very, very quiet. And I was also super sad. Sarah took the time to focus on herself, but, as it never is, her learning wasn't over when she walked out of the rehab doors. I was like, I'm going to go back to Savage, and they were like, no, that's not a good idea. So then I was like, I'll go to this other recovery house, and then finally I was like, I'm getting my own place. Like, I'm not living with other people, I've, this is what I do for a living, like, I'm not doing it. And I got this little studio kind of apartment in Kensington on Frankfurt and Somerset, and everybody was like, why in God's name... With 30 days sober, are you getting an apartment in Kensington? But I didn't feel, I wasn't coming off of this horrendous run where I was like in a wheelchair and like never, you know, never experienced sobriety. I really didn't want to get high. It didn't do the things that I thought that it would do for me. And I just wanted to work and go to meetings and like get back on the path that I was on. And I did. Alright, so this is one of those moments I've been looking forward to the entire show. I've been promising you that we're going to end on the upswing. I've been saying that from the beginning. Even when I lied about the shape of the show, I still told you we're going to end on an upswing. Well, this is the start of one of those upswing storylines. And it's with the introduction of a guy named Tony. After Sarah lost Pete, I know you're probably thinking, alright, there's no chance that this ends happy for her in terms of any sort of relationship stability. Well, I don't want to ruin the ending, but let's just say that Sarah defied the odds. She was only a couple months out of this recent stint in rehab when she met Tony. Here he is. My first memory of Sarah was at The Last Stop, which, for those that don't know, is an AANA clubhouse in Kensington. People can walk in off the street and, and get clean there if they so choose. My old sponsor dropped me off there to detox cold turkey, which I did. And at that time, Sarah had uh, close to two months clean, and she was uh, had moved to the neighborhood and was going there for meetings. I remember I probably met Sarah before I was actually coherent and, and like really coming off the stuff, but my first vivid memory is of her sitting at, the main desk in between meetings at the last stop that 
the the uh, AA or NA speaker would speak at, and you know she had her she had her feet kicked up on the desk and and crossed, and uh, you know I, I thought she had like a little attitude. It was the first impression? I was like, man, look at her. She's she's kind of just almost I don't want to say arrogant because it has a negative connotation, but just extremely confident maybe and 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 didn't give a shit either and uh i liked that more after this break here's this episode's podcast recommendation brought to you by great pods hotter than health is a plant dominant podcast for those looking to expand and elevate their health We focus on nutrition, digestion, overall wellness, and some of the more provocative topics in the health and wellness industry. Every Thursday, you can expect conversations and interviews from some of the biggest names in health and wellness. You will leave every single episode with tips and tricks that you can directly implement into your everyday lifestyle. It's time to optimize. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's hotter than health. If you're not one for romantic comedies, say The Notebook or La La Land or, I don't know, another one of those movies where a guy sees girl and girl sees him but later and then yada yada yada, they fall in love and I'm standing in front of you professing, I don't know, whatever they said in The Notebook, I didn't see it. If that's not your movie, if you're not here for 500 Days of Summer, you can skip this episode because we're really going deep into that. This is the romantic comedy episode. Anyway, it took a little while longer for Sarah to notice Tony. Eddie Z ran the last stop. It's a clubhouse. It's an AA clubhouse. And um, he always had these, like, it's basically like a homeless shelter. But, and I never really put my personal opinion into it because I was there for meetings, you know. And one day I walked down to the last stop because I needed to get some furniture from the house, the Savage house in the basement. All my stuff was still in the basement other than shit that I just kind of grabbed. And I was like, legit sleeping on the floor of this place like after working and tiling I would just come home and sleep on the floor and I was like I want to get my bed you know so I went down to the last stop and I was like yo Eddie let me get two dudes in your truck and I'll give them fifty dollars you know like they got I gotta move this bed and da 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 and Eddie you know he's got all these guys that live at his place and he points to two dudes and he goes you and you go with Sarah Sarah, buy him a pack of cigarettes and a hoagie and make sure you fill my truck with gas. And I was like, all right, I got you. And it was Tony. (laughs) Like Sarah, this was not Tony's first attempt at entering recovery. I have been to several rehabs, detoxes. Uh, I've, I've tried to kick cold turkey on my own at home just countless times. So much so that I had an entire process that, you know, I had my anti diarrhea meds, ibuprofen. I had towels on my bed and next to my bed so that if I did sleep and was sweating, I could wake up and just put fresh towels on the on the sheets. And uh, I could get six, seven, nine days. And then eventually the, the lack of sleep would always, uh, I would always go get one more, which was never just one more. When I was 15, I got drunk like every other kid my age and, and in my grade was doing on the weekends and uh you know it was fun it wasn't like an aha moment that you hear in alcoholism and addiction but it took part of me over and and that was my main focus i, I didn't care about anything else i wanted to party 
and I fit well in with my family who come from a family of heavy drinkers, people that take pride in the volume and amount that we can drink. Because of that, I kind of flew under the radar for many years. I had wisdom teeth coming in at one point. And I remember I just, I couldn't even eat and I was miserable. And I went to the dentist. They wrote me a prescription for five milligram Percocets. And that was really, that was my aha moment uh, towards the opiates. And, you know, it didn't stop. It didn't stop. And five milligrams to 15, 30, Oxycontin and heroin and fentanyl eventually. Uh, and, you know, intravenous use eventually. But that was that was my introduction. Much like Sarah, the depths that Tony reached in his struggle with addiction grew increasingly dark. This time, however, his attempt at entering recovery was different. I was, I was so miserable, and I tried to kill myself twice in my addiction. Just because I I couldn't stand the sound of my voice, myself, the disappointment that that I brought to my family. And I just wrote myself off from all these things, a house, car, job, my brother, my mom, my dad, just being any type of successful, any type of like fruitful relationship in my life, you know, wife, children, that was not in the cards for me. And I accepted that and uh, I let it all go. And, and I just, I was all right with dying. The other thing that was different was was the guys at the clubhouse. The other men that were living there was probably 13 of us at the time. It was the first time that something was attractive to me and not like, well, Tony, you should go to rehab. You should go to AA meetings. Like, go fuck yourself. Don't tell me what to do. But being around these guys who, for whatever reason, cared for me and like looked, at, looked out after me, they called me on my bullshit. I tried wandering out the door to go get a sample. Where are you going, Tone? Where are you going? Come back. And uh, But they were happy. And like they were tan. They weren't fentanyl gray like I was. And they looked good. And, and they sounded good. And like they were alive. They were alive. And like I was just so close to being dead. And uh, I was literally ready to just close my mouth and open my ears and, and just show me anything else except for this misery that I'm in. We'll be right back. If you guys want to learn more about Savage Sisters, check out www.savagesisters.org. If you'd like to hear more from me and Sarah specifically, please reach out to info at savagesisters.org and we can come speak to you, your organization, your business, or your place of worship on Narcan trainings, harm reduction trainings, or anything in general with Savage Sisters. If you want to donate, please go to savagesisters.org's sponsorship page. There, you can find a plethora of ways to give directly to our cause and help our mission. Additionally, if you want to come volunteer in an outreach, please reach out to info at savagesisters.org so we can give you dates, times, and locations for our outreach events. Thanks, everybody. Stay savage. Hey, y'all. It's Jay, the host of this show. 
If you're not really enjoying this series and you're just listening to make me happy, then thank you. But for the rest of you, I invite you to check out everything else Choose Your Struggle does in the mental health and drug use advocacy space. We have a couple other podcasts, including our incredibly popular weekly show called Choose Your Struggle. On that show, I interview people with lived and learned experiences on the subjects of mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy, but occasionally we talk about other topics as well. We also have another new show called Choose Your Struggle Presents Monday Motivation, but it's not just podcasts. We also host two vulnerable storytelling events, Rock Bottom Storytellers in a Day in the Life, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. And now I'm so excited to announce we'll be doing Rock Bottom Storytellers live here in Philly starting this summer. I also have a book coming out hopefully later this year, and I regularly travel the country telling my story and speaking about these important topics. I know this is all a lot, but you can check us out at our website, chooseyourstruggle.com and check out all of our podcasts wherever you're getting this series just by searching for Choose Your Struggle. All right, that's enough about us. Let's get back to the show. They weren't allowed to go to outside meetings. Like they were only allowed to go to these last stop meetings, which were like chaotic and at times I and I I gone to Eddie's and I got permission to take them to a meeting that my sister chaired in Center City the cigar bar Sarah was an old pro in the recovery scene by this point and had connections all over town including as she said to her sister Liz who was solidly in recovery at this point because of this she was trusted to help get some of these guys help and so every Saturday at 10 a.m. to support my sister's meeting and to just get them out of the last stop because they were so like in this like and it's like in Kensington so it's soft. I would take like two to three people from the last stop with me in my car to Center City and take them to a different meeting and Tony came a few times. And I think one of the times he came he heard me speak. I was speaking at the cigar cigar bar. And then I took them like to South Street and I showed them like this you know there is stuff outside Kensington. There is meetings outside of the last stop where like the person telling their story has is high currently, you know. It was a little chaotic. While Tony was enjoying getting to know this badass he was suddenly seeing everywhere, for him, these sessions were less about Sarah and more about an opportunity to get out and see other people in the world and just remind himself that he was alive. At this point, you know, I've been in the last stop for like 30 days and I am dying to do anything else. Like I'm like a dog. I want to go going for a car ride. I don't care where we're going. Take me out of here for two hours. And uh, we went to the cigar bar meeting in center city. And, uh, you know, very small home group, but this is like proper traditional, very mature AA, or there's no big detox on the side here. And that was my first taste of like a legit AA meeting to see what long term recovery had to offer. And uh, that was attractive too. That was attractive. And, but initially, if I'm being honest, it was. It was just like, get me the hell out of here. This place is insane. I need anything else. It wasn't long, however, before Tony's mood started to change. Little things would happen, and I'd be like, ah, I'm overthinking it, you know. We went to this recovery walk, and I'd walk down to her place because I was going to jump in and go to Center City with her. But she overslept. So, like, I'm calling her, and she's not answering. And, like, by this point, I know that she's lost several people in her life to addiction and overdose and relapse. And I have, too. And, like, 
I remember my heart dropping and like this sick feeling in my stomach because I'm calling her and like, this is like a big deal. Like Sarah's like Mrs. Fucking recovery. Like she wouldn't miss something like this or like just not contact me. And, uh, I was so nervous and, and I was really, I was like upset to the point that like, I'm questioning, like, what the hell am I, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I freaking out like this? And, uh, she was fine. She just overslept. But, like, it was kind of like smack myself in the face moment. Better get this shit together. Like, what am I falling for this girl? Like, what the hell's going on? Much like Sarah's last attempt at romance, this one didn't start out that way. But it wasn't long before the two were officially dating. Here's Sarah. I, I mean, I really wasn't looking for anything. I don't know if he was, but I wasn't. And, um, he surprised me. He's really smart, and I love that. And then I thought I was going to prison. (laughs) So I asked him to move in with me so that he could handle my apartment if I got booked because I had a felony warrant that I had to handle. And it was this very awkward conversation where I was like, hey. (laughs) Yep, you heard that right. Sarah's past struggles with the law came back to haunt her once again, which, for Sarah and Tony, kind of sped up the relationship a little bit. Luckily for Sarah, the family loved Tony. Here's Mac. He was very respectful when we, when we first met. Did the whole handshake. Wasn't like, like some people, they're like, yo, man. Like, yeah, because like I'm young and stuff and people are super disrespectful about that sometimes. Ageism. But he was very respectful, like as if I was an elder or like it was his honor to meet me. I liked him. It was different with him. He was... Uh, Like a mess, but a put-together mess. And so respectful and close to his family. And that was something, family is so important, obviously. Admittedly, Mary was a little bit reluctant at first, but it wasn't long before even she came around. When Sarah told me uh, about Tony, we went out to lunch, the three of us. And she said, what do you think? I think, take it easy. And I think he's a great guy. For me... I'm not that impressed with time in recovery. It's a spirit. I've seen people with 10 years sober who have such a horrible spirit. And I, I don't judge anybody's recovery. But I was impressed with his, his spirit. While they were incredibly excited, of course, about this new relationship, the couple made sure to set ground rules, especially as it related to their recovery. Here's Tony. It was agreed that if we proceeded that recovery is first and like that is first and foremost. After I got to know her brother and, and her mom and other people close to her, you know, I, I asked them, I was like, is this even all right? Like, I mean, wouldn't part of doing the right thing be me just walking away because of of Pete and like the trauma from that and like i don't know you know it it had shades of like are we doing the right thing is this too soon and uh without the guidance from her family and their blessing without that okay and approval i would have been willing to walk away when i still could have and like you know before it got even deeper It wasn't easy. 
you know, neither of our paths made anything easy. Um, but like at this point, I mean, we're stronger because of everything that happened. For Sarah, that early hesitation wasn't an emotional response. It was, unfortunately, a bit of a calculated risk. She knew what she was getting into, and it scared her. Luckily for her, the thing that helped her overcome these feelings was Tony himself. I was very hesitant um, at that point. You know, it was like, I, I was, I had a lot of walls up. And I also, like, t- this was Tony's first time in sobriety. So I'm like, here the fuck I am again with this dude. I'm not getting, I'm not getting my hopes up with this. You know, I was very detached from it as much as I could be. I mean, I, I, you know, I, he was great, but like in the back of my mind, there was this constant whisper that was like, he's probably going to die. And, you know, yes, I was invested in what we had and I, I, I honored him and I was loyal to him, but I was, I was aware enough that, uh, I was protecting myself. That's it. I didn't think that it wasn't real. I just didn't think it, there wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't think it was like an authentic emotion that we were experiencing together. I just, um, didn't know how long it would last. He does (laughs) have a fucking way of just quietly, I don't know, making me realize certain things or accept them. While Sarah and Tony's relationship was solidifying and their bond was growing, Sarah's other baby, Savage Sisters, was growing as well. With Sarah in recovery and so clearly doing much better, she was handed back the reins of the organization, and with that, more people started to take notice. That included the city of Philadelphia. And finally, I get the honor to bring back the person you heard on the intro episode, Destiny Campanella, who works for the city's health department, doing harm reduction outreach and work in the drug use community. Here's Destiny. So I was also born and raised in South Philly, where I still live, if you can't already tell by my (laughs) accent. Um, So I've been doing harm reduction before I even realized and knew what harm reduction actually was. You know, I was born into this from my family. I was born into a family that used drugs, sold drugs, people I went to grade school with, high school with. So I've been doing harm reduction within my community before I even really knew it was harm reduction. It wasn't long after Sarah took back over Savage Sisters that she, and the work that she was doing with the organization, became something that Destiny couldn't ignore. So early on, I became aware of Sarah. We were CC'd on a couple email threads um, together. Uh, These were threads that had to do with um, some community advocacy work around women, especially women living with trauma. And then we just were friends on social media. I followed Savage's social media page pretty closely, and I just remember thinking, oh, They're really cool. I really like what they're about. For Destiny, not only was she excited that the organization was run by somebody in recovery, but she loved that Savage centered people who use drugs and, as they say, meets people where they are. I say this all the time, even as my role as harm reduction coordinator, I am not shit if I'm not talking to people who use drugs. People who use drugs, they are the real experts. Not to discredit people in long-term recovery because I have the utmost respect for people in long-term recovery. 
but our supply is always changing. At our team in the health department, we make it a point to always include people who use drugs. We learn so much for them. I can study the textbooks all I want, but I don't know anything if I'm, if I'm not doing the groundwork and I'm not talking to the people who are being directly affected by this because they know what works and they know what doesn't. If you can't tell, we're coming to the close. Next episode, episode 10, is the last episode. At this point in our story, we're basically starting the pandemic, which, while it may feel like a million years long, only started two years ago. So, for the last time, I'm so excited to say, next time on Made It. I had to claim Sarah for Halloween. I'm like, you don't have anything to do. Well, what are we doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. We're gonna, we're just gonna go for a ride. Like, you're mine. Like, I, you can't have anything. Just tell them you can do it tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Made It Season 1, Stay Savage is a Choose Your Struggle production and a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. I'm Jay Schiffman, your narrator, producer, and founder of Choose Your Struggle. Special thanks to Lauren Schiffman and Steve Schiffman for their help on this show. The theme song was composed by me and built on the song All That by Ben Sound. The Made It theme you hear in Episode 10 was composed by Lettuce and Rob Devious. All interviews for this show were given freely, and no payment was received by anyone for providing an interview for this show. All views expressed by those interviewed are their own. For more info, please see your show notes or learn more at chooseyourstruggle.com.